Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast, where we help business owners connect to their profits and earn their freedom. Join us as we discuss ways you can grow your small business, build your wealth, and help others along the way. Here's your host, Dan Cotton. All right. I want to welcome everyone to another episode of the Next Generation Connecting People and Profits podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and I am excited to be sitting down with my good friend and business partner, Danielle Johnston. Uh, And Danielle and I have worked together for many years. We actually met um, at a business conference, both getting ready to learn more about uh, owning a business and and being better business owners. Uh, And we have been... uh, associates ever since and probably friends not too long after that uh, where we really started to get to know each other better as we learned and grew in our businesses together Um, so Danielle why don't you introduce yourself and tell all of our listeners who may not know you a little bit about you yeah hello I'm happy to be here I listen to the next gen podcast every week obviously so excited to be on Uh, so My name is Danielle Johnston. We are located here in Warrensburg, Missouri, run the gym with uh, my husband, Justin, and then we have business partners as well. Um, Our gym is Twister Sports. We offer everything from tumbling, cheerleading, gymnastics, ninja warrior, batting cages, before and after school program, all that great stuff. Um, And kind of do a little bit of everything because we have to. We're in a small town of 20,000 people. Um, and have a really huge rec program and a pretty vibrant, growing all-star program now too. So uh, my background, I have a journalism degree. Um, I've dabbled in a little bit of everything. For a while in college, I thought I wanted to be a teacher, so I went down the education road. For a while, I thought I wanted to be an accountant, so I went down the accounting road. Uh, Needless to say, nine years of college later, I should probably be a doctor, but ended with a journalism degree. That's fair. Um, and you were also in the Air Force, correct? I was. I spent seven years in the Air Force. I did a uh, first couple years hydraulics on the A-10, which um, was probably the biggest challenge I've ever had in a career field because I am not made to be working with tools. Uh, but great college benefits with that job. And then finally transitioned into public affairs, which was really my love and passion um, in the Air Force, which was telling the story of of the military and kind of getting in everybody else's business and telling their story. That's awesome. Um, well, as, as one service member to another, thank you for your service. Um, thank you you for making those, uh, a tens do what they do. Um, make that beautiful sound. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the best. Uh, I I won't get military geeky because most people don't probably don't appreciate it the way I do or you do. Um, (laughs) So you've owned a variety of businesses beyond just cheer gyms and even now with NextGen, but you've owned a number of businesses over your time as an entrepreneur, correct? Yeah. Um, not only do we have the cheer gym and NextGen, um, but we've owned a restaurant franchise before. We owned a media and website company. We currently own a real estate and property management company. Um, we have a wholesale liquidation company. Uh, lots of great stuff. We love kind of getting in a little bit of everything and uh, starting things and kind of systemizing them to the point where they're running themselves at one point and we just sort of get to manage all of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So with having a number of companies and I know some of them 
you guys probably run relatively yourself. Um, and you, that's just kind of your thing. And then some like Twisters or like a restaurant franchise, you have employees. Um, and I know that that's one of the things we talk to people about a lot and, and is frequently discussed uh, in the cheer industry um, and in and other industries as well. And as a business owner was something I had to learn about between going from owning a cheer gym to then running dream camps. Um, I, I did things in certain ways that I actually thought were okay when it came to like um, paying people as independent contractors versus employees. Like I paid everyone for this, my camps as independent contractors at first. Um, and then I realized over time that I was kind of not really, they weren't really independent contractors, even though they only worked for me for a shorter period of time. Um, and so uh, that's come up lately, uh, as we head into 2022, uh, everyone is, everyone's acting like it's new information in terms of if you make more than $600 from private lessons that you have to report that to the IRS. And that's actually always been the case, hmm. but, but we were getting around it with apps like Venmo and cash app and things like that, um, where we were getting payments to our bank account, but not necessarily they weren't. And I say we, I wasn't doing it, but people in the industry were using those and in other industries were using them as ways to get paid for business services, but then not reporting them as income. Um, mm -hmm. and so the government closed that loophole and now it will be reported. Uh, and so that brought up a bunch of, you know, remind your, all your employees who are 1099, et cetera, of this information. So, um, would, I know you're passionate about this, uh, subject. I so am. would, would you kind of take over, you know, can you, first off, can you tell us why would someone be a 1099 employee based off your understanding versus a W2 employee? Yeah. So I think we need to change our verbiage. First of all, um, 1099 is definitely a contractor. We tend to call them, you're right. We tend to call them employees, but you can't be both an employee and a 1099. So I've been a contractor before. Uh, I actually, that's how I started my business with twisters. Um, we were contractors at the local air force base. I had to, uh, abide by a couple of rules that they had, mostly like a background check and um, follow a few policies that were like a building policy. But I was essentially an independent contractor. I could set my own prices. I could set my own class times within when you know the space was available. Uh, I determined what my marketing looked like. I determined if I offered you know, how many cheer classes, how many dance classes. Um, there were some restrictions. I couldn't offer tumbling because somebody else had tumbling contract. Mm -hmm. And that was a 1099, a true 1099. I can tell you even the Air Force, because that was on a base, even the Air Force had an issue with the fact that I was 1099 and I took a paycheck through my other job in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. So they even kind of had issues with that at one point and said, hey, this is illegal for us to be both. We've got to figure out how can we make this possible within those capacities. Um, so for those gyms out there that are paying hourly rates, but then they're also going to try and 1099 somebody, that's going to be a big problem. So that's kind of one uh, area. A 1099 person is somebody um, that you've contracted for a very specific reason, and it can't be to coach this team or this team or this team. You can't have them wearing uniforms. You can't have them abiding by staff handbooks. There are very few restrictions you can put on someone who's a 1099 contractor. Right. So 
And just because you decide to pay someone as an independent contractor doesn't mean that the IRS has to honor that, correct? Absolutely. So we actually had um, an a random payroll audit last year. And I think a lot of people are going to start getting selected for random payroll audits for those of us who got employer retention credits, um, those of us, if anybody went on unemployment during a period of time, um, during the shutdowns, anything like that, or anyone claimed unemployment, any of your staff, I think we're going to start seeing our CPA already kind of said, yep, this is about to become a lot more common that the states are doing their own audits. Well, when we had that audit done, um, thankfully, I mean, our ducks are in a row when it comes to this stuff, but every check that I wrote out for a uniform reimbursement to a parent, so let's say I bought back their uniform because they Mm -hmm. weren't going to cheer the next season. Uh, I had a friend who did choreography, but he was like a friend from another gym, so I didn't have an official contract. Um, Every single check I wrote for three years, I had to justify what it was for. So who is this? What is it for? And I can tell you the choreographer was probably the hardest one because I didn't have a record. He wasn't like a parent at the gym that I had a record that I could say, Mm -hmm. you know, they teared and I bought back the uniform and here's the tangible uh, evidence of that. Right. Right. And I had him come back two times in one season. So the uh, state of Missouri was really questioning that saying, hold on, this might actually be an employee. We need very specific information. What were they there to do? Etc. Um, and so it was great that we had our ducks in a row, but it should be really eye-opening for gym owners. They are going to get in your business with everything if you were to ever get audited and you're paying a staff member a 1099. So if you're saying, yep. hey, you get paid for your own private lessons um, and you know you owe me a percentage of that money. Well, they went through every bit of our books. So they would see that a staff member is now paying you. And as soon as you answer, well, that person gets paid for this and that. And I mean, man, I would hate to do that to my staff. You're essentially ratting your staff out to uh, to the state. And guess right. who that's going to come back to? It's going right. to come back to you as the employer as well. And that relationship transactionally is so weird, I think, for the IRS to even understand to say, okay, so they they the client pays the gym and then you pay them, but you keep a portion of it and but then it's a 1099 contract how i think that would be really hard to rationalize that they're an independent contractor you know and i know gyms and and we've i don't do it this way anymore but if you were really if they were really just renting space if they paid you you know 20 dollars a private lesson they tracked all of the income they carried their own insurance they did all those things then they might kind of be an independent contractor at that point um for that service that they're doing. Uh, but like you said, it can get complicated. Now, if you've been doing it wrong, and let's say the IRS does does say, or the state says, well, we disagree, these are employees. Um, that doesn't mean you go to jail. No, it doesn't mean you go to jail. It does mean what's gonna happen though, is they're gonna come back and say, this is the employer withholding that you should have been paying the entire time. Here's your bill. And, now you and if you money. can't pay it right now, you're going to get interest on it. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of a problem. Um, Going back for a second too, to what you said, yes, maybe you could justify that somebody is an independent contractor, but what a red flag. If you give a 1099 to someone within the same calendar year that you also paid them, 
a paycheck and right. had them on payroll, you are literally waving a red flag in the IRS's face saying, come audit me right now because I'm doing something wrong. We have taken people before who we had legitimately contracted for a service and hired them. And I would not do it until the end of the calendar year moving into the next calendar year. So if you're one of the gyms right now that maybe you're doing that and you realize, hey, I need to fix this, there is no better time than January to fix that. Right, yeah, that makes sense. And and it's not, it isn't just necessarily gyms. You know, I, I ran into this with, with Dream Camps and granted that's a, it is a cheerleading business, but it was seasonal, right? It's a summer camp thing. And I started by paying them 1099 for the first, I think two years. Um, and I came to find out after doing some research, well, because I make them wear staff shirts, because I, we have staff meetings every night and we have, they have a schedule, a very detailed schedule that they follow and curriculum and all of these things that I, all these requirements, uh, I was talking to uh, a friend who actually was, it was in, I was talking to a friend who worked in insurance and we were talking about workers comp and he goes, that's absolutely an employee and they would fall under your workers comp. Because I know that's a reason a lot of people try to get around these things. Because when you have a real employee, then you got to pay workers comp insurance and in cheer, that's expensive. Um, you got to pay um, your withholdings. You got to do those other things. It can be a little pricier on the front end, but you're saving yourself that pain on the back end, right? Yeah, I somebody recently told me, you know, we just can't afford to move them from 1099 to W2, and my answer was you can't afford not to. You know, you're either going to pay out a little bit right now um in employer withholding taxes and state withholding taxes uh and maybe your state unemployment whatever is required for your state you're going to pay a little bit now in that stuff but wouldn't you hate to get that bill with interest tacked onto it later because the state doesn't come back and say you owed me fifty dollars three years ago so now you owe me fifty dollars they're going to come back and say you owed me fifty dollars three years ago and the interest on that now makes it that you owe me 75. and talk about you know if you've been doing this with a lot of employees for a period of time, that bill is not going to be $75. Right. Not, not even close. Not and, even close. And if you factor in, let's say workers comp, right? If you haven't been paying workers yeah. compensation for people who really have been employees and let's say someone does get hurt and the state says, no, 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 this is an employee. They, they file some sort of a grievance, which they can do. You're going to, the, the penalty on that is going to be huge and you're going to be paying out the nose because you're not going to have workers comp insurance. So there's, there's a number of factors there that put you at some extreme risk if you're not categorized, categorizing your employees correctly. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people are like, well, workers comp, you know, if one of my employees got injured, it'd be cheaper just to pay their, pay their fees. This actually happened to us at our restaurant, not to rabbit trail too much with workers comp, but it goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, this happened at our restaurant a couple of years ago. Somebody dropped like a five gallon bucket of pickles on their foot. And, uh, we ended up contacting when we found out that the person needed to go, um, get an x-ray and stuff like that. We contacted our attorney and said, Hey, we would prefer that we just pay this all out of pocket rather than going through workers comp. So our rates don't raise. He said, no, that's actually illegal. Um, you know, if you mm. were to pay for an employee's medical care, instead of going through workers compensation, it's completely illegal because they're calling it fraud because they can come back later and say, um, 
you know, if there were further damages or let's say the person needed surgery and now you're at a point where you don't want to pay it, uh, you know, it was a fraudulent claim in the first place. So yeah, you can really get yourself in a lot of trouble if you're not doing it properly in every aspect, whether it's 1099 and W-2 or, you know, your insurance, you just have to ask all of the right questions to the right people. And Dan, you know that this is my biggest uh, phrase in life. I cannot stand industry standard. That phrase in general uh, gets people in a lot of trouble because there's a lot of gym owners out there who ran what we all see to be very successful businesses for a lot of years who are giving really bad illegal advice. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there are a lot of ways to save money. There are a lot of ways to, um, you know, cut costs if you can't afford things. The one thing you don't really want to go up against is the government. A hundred percent. Right. Like you just don't want to do that battle because you're always operating from, um, from not as good of a position, right? If we're going back to like military terms, like they have the high ground always because they have judges on five on hand. They have attorneys on hand. They will go and be, have judgments against you before you even know what happened. And now you are then, now you have to pay out of pocket for an attorney. You have to do all these things to fight it. So at the very least, you want all your ducks in a row. You want to do things as right by governmental standards as you possibly can. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I just, I didn't know. Like the government's not going to take that as an answer. So it's like our responsibility as business owners that if there's something you realize, like maybe you're listening to this podcast, you're like, but I didn't know any of this. Like, that's okay. But now that you have the knowledge, you have to make the right choices moving forward. Because even if you got an audit and realized you were doing all these things wrong, the government doesn't care if you know or not. The information is out there and it's our responsibility to find it. Yes. Yep. And it's not that they won't necessarily give you a chance to correct it, but you're sure. still going to pay penalty. Like you're, you're not getting out without a penalty at all. In full transparency, we had a period of time where our workers' compensation insurance lapsed and we didn't mm-hmm. know it. You, in, in our state, you have to do a payroll audit every, every quarter. Um, you report payroll because that's how they calculate your workers' compensation liabilities. And mm-hmm. ours had lapsed and we didn't report. And yeah, we were like, oh, shoot, we didn't even realize we're sorry. We still paid a penalty. Right. Um, and a penalty to the state on top of having to pay for the insurance back co- coverage and all that stuff. So it was it was expensive, um, more expensive than I wanted to pay for an oopsie. Right. The, they're not going to necessarily come, you know, knocking down your door with a search warrant and take you to jail, but it's going to cost you money. So I I would just love to see people. I agree with you though. That term industry standard is, it's a bad one. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's important that we're always looking outside of our industry to figure out like there shouldn't be a standard. I'm not a standard person. I don't want a standard gym. I don't want to just be the average. That's what standard is. It's the average. I'm not going to be the average. I want to be better than the average and I want my gym to be better than the average. And, um, you know, what do they say? Like, if you want to be the 1%, you have to do what the 99% are not willing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I was also thinking about the 1099 concept and one of the or the independent contractor concept. And the advantage of independent contractor is like, you're not tied down. You can leave at any time. Like if 
If you don't know that, if you have an independent contractor and they have fulfilled a contract, then they don't come back to work the next day. You know, that's, they're done. The contract is over. So there's freedom to work for periods of time or in, in shorter durations. So that might be nice for the millennial mindset of, I'm going to travel, I'm going to do all these things. I'm not tied down to anything, but we hear people all the time say, I can't get people to be committed. In fact, you had a post on Facebook today about Mm -hmm. staff not being, uh, not cleaning up, not going that extra mile. And you, you know, if you experience that in your business, well, how can we expect our employees to treat it like a real job? Like they're an employee, like those things matter if we treat them like they're they're an independent contractor they're not really a part of the business they're the same as an electrician coming in to change your all your lighting you know right so i think that that is like if you if someone's 1099 you can't give them retirement benefits you can't give them health benefits you can't give them all those things that come with being a like real employee Right. And I think on top of all of that, try and tell a 20 something year old, hey, uh, you better save your money all year because in April you're going to get a huge tax bill when you go to file your taxes. You know, my little brother is um, 27 and he teaches music lessons. And the first thing I asked him when he got that job was, are you a 1099? Because you can be in music lessons. That actually Mm -hmm. makes sense. You're not teaching group classes. You don't have a team. Like it makes sense. You just rent out a room in a studio. And uh, I said, are you 1099 or W2? And he said, 1099. And I said, you better take 28% of that every single time you get paid, put it into savings because you're going to be 27 years old and have a huge debt to the government that's going to take you all year to pay off. So if we want to lose our staff real fast, um, you know, wait until April shows up and then they get this huge bill because there's been no contribution all year. to taxes. And that's something that they're not thinking about in October, November. And you're doing, you're doing them a favor. You're really helping them help themselves. (laughs) Right. Right. I I think it's kind of the cost of doing business. You know, I hear a lot of people say like, how do I get away from credit card fees? Like, well, you have two choices. You can either pay the credit card fees and get paid on time every time, or you can say, I only accept cash or check, hope the checks go through, wait until you're open, hire a front desk person to constantly, you know, a second person or whatever to constantly be available to take those right. payments. Like you're going to pay for it one way or the other. And so in my mind, put them on payroll. You're going to pay the payroll fees. You're going to pay um, employer withholding, state withholding, all of those things. It's just going to become second nature to you. And all of that's a write-off. It's not like you're getting exactly. taxed on those fees again. It's pre-tax. Right? It's, it is. It's, it's kind of nice. Um, it It's almost like when you start doing like a deferred compensation or something, you know, I hear that all the time from young officers who we hire who they're like, well, I can't afford to put any money towards my retirement. I need all of it. You won't even notice. Right. You won't even notice. Like you'll barely feel it. I, I don't really notice the taxes until I go back and I actually like run the numbers and right. any given month, I'm not like, oh, wow, we paid a lot in taxes. Mm-hmm. I may run the numbers every quarter and go, oh, man, I hate taxes. But uh, <laughs> it's I, I don't feel it quite the same. Yeah. Um, there was something else. So with with the industry that we're in um, and you mentioned that choreographer friend that you hired, obviously mm-hmm. there are people that we may work with in this industry because there are relationships like that, you know, clinics. um, choreography, things like that, what would be 
good people to pay as a 1099 versus people we should definitely W-2? Yeah. So uh, I know a couple weeks ago you had Adam and Jess Forte on here. Mm -hmm. Um, We hired Adam to come out to our gym and do a stunt clinic and some staff training. That's absolutely a 1099. He doesn't work for me in any way. Adam didn't have to wear a Twisters t-shirt. Um, in fact, you know, really we just communicated on what hours we were both available and that's a true 1099. Um, your choreographers are true 1099s, uh, as long as they're not in-house, like I can't have my hip hop choreographer come in and be 1099, mm-hmm. um, because she happens to be doing choreography and she also is a coach in the gym. So it, it needs to really be an outside person. So if you're doing in-house choreography, you can have separate pay rates, right? right? Maybe you want to pay somebody a different rate for when they're doing that choreography and that's okay. It's just going to get taxed like it should be. Yep. Um, next gen, next gen's a great example of that. We give a W nine to our people every year by January 30th because next gen as a consulting company is essentially a contractor for you. Hmm. That's interesting. So, so, you, yeah, send, so- you said a W nine even to uh, let's say you hired a choreography company, you know, one of the, one of the companies out there that is a, an LLC, would you send them a W nine for their choreographer's time coming out? Yeah. So I leave that to my CPA. So, uh, there have been years that she has said, Hey, they're registered as, you know, X business. We don't need to do that. Um, and then there's other years that she said, yeah, we need a W nine from them. So I'm not sure Obviously here at NextGen, we're not CPAs, but um, right. I once worked for one. So kind of like the Holiday Inn commercial. Yeah, I stayed at uh, the Holiday Inn. That's right. <laughs> um, so, you know, I leave it to the professional. We make sure we have everything in order um, and we're paying people appropriately. And then when it comes time to do taxes and she's doing our books, she'll say, hey, I need a W-9 from this person. I've tried to get better in the past at saying, you know, hey, we have this person coming in to do the stunt camp. Uh, do I need to get a W-9? Because it's just super convenient to do it while they're already there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried to get better at that over the years, but a professional will always be able to answer the a certified public account. Yes, yes. For me, I've always gone by the the mindset of, and I obviously your accountant should always be the, the ultimate decision maker there, but um, I've always gone by the mindset of if I'm paying that person directly, if I'm writing a check to, let's say, let's use Adam and Jess Forte. If I'm writing a check to Adam Forte for this amount right. for Stunt Clinic, then he was a 1099 independent contractor. I like, he's going to need that. If I'm writing it to Forte Spirit Solutions, LLC or Inc. or whatever it is, then I'm going to have invoices from them and contracts and things that I then give to my accountant and say, here was this service I paid for. Um, Yeah. And that actually brings up a good point, Dan, because when I had our friend come do the choreography, you know, we've been friends for 10 years. I never I didn't set a contract. Um, He's done our choreography lots of times in the past. If I had had a contract, like a formal contract with him that said, this is the choreography, I would have been able to easily submit that to the state. But because I didn't have that um, and I just wrote him a check and didn't necessarily have an invoice from an individual, um, it was still legal. I just had to kind of jump through hoops. I had to pull all of our email communication. I had to submit the email communication to the state. Um, one benefit I, I know I wrote about this in a blog a couple weeks ago is if you have a CPA, not an accountant, not a bookkeeper, they can be both, but a CPA, that CPA was the one that told us we were getting audited. And so everything, I never directly communicated with the state. We went through her for everything. 
um, you know, they kind of That's act so as nice. that. Yeah, they act as that legal authority and buffer to kind of say, hey, here's everything we have now. What do you need? And we're going to help the client provide that information. It's like having an attorney, right? Like yeah, you're you're then not the person doing all the communication. You may have to check in with your attorney and provide them further documentation, but they are just doing that work and taking that stress off of your plate. Right. Yep. Well, we've gone a little longer than we intended, which is normal with my podcast because I just like to talk about all these cool things. So uh, any parting advice for people? As you mentioned January is like the perfect time to switch. Um, any parting advice before we let everyone get on about their day? Yeah, I, I think this is my favorite time of year because we get to see people who are really fired up about their business. They have goals, um, whether it's that they want to grow a program or they want to grow, you know, the business side of things or they want to learn more. Um, this is a great time, though, to set that goal. Maybe you listen to this podcast. You're like, OK, I didn't know that. This is the time to say, I'm going to educate myself this year on this or I'm going to hire somebody who has the education on this so that I can learn. Um, protecting yourself will save you just as much money as anything else that you're hoping to do this year. And so uh I guess that's my my biggest recommendation to people. Question everything, research everything you can. And if you're kind of the owner who's doing everything wearing a million hats right now, hire somebody who can help you do that stuff so that you know if you're doing things right or not. Yeah, that that's a whole nother rabbit trail to go down, but such a good piece of advice. Like you may think you can't afford to hire someone but again, you can't afford not to. Like you you don't realize how much more money you could be making with all that time doing that thing you hate doing that you can hire someone to do. Yeah, not to give a plug right now, but I would say 99% of our academy clients save so much money because they're learning different things and they realize like they're protecting themselves legally. They're um, you know, saving money because they can bundle these things. Uh, they're working with people who've done these things before. And so they're saving so much money that it's like that investment was an easy choice. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for your time. I know you are very busy. Um, so we appreciate you carving out some time to chat with us today. Um, if you've made it to the end, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it and we will catch you on the next podcast next week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Next Generation, Connecting People and Profits podcast. If you love this content, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and head over to our website to sign up for our emails with tips and tricks on how to grow your business.